Welcome to the MFR Coaches Podcast, where we talk about how you can create your own MFR business, how to have one, and what to do to get started. Each week, we will discuss practical ways to create a business that keeps you from under-earning and burning out. I'm your host, Heather Hommel. Over 10 years ago, I decided to change my massage practice to MFR only. I became fully booked and have enjoyed years of success helping people to get out of pain and return to active lifestyles. I'm here to help you do it too, even if you live in a tiny town and even if you've never had a business before. Let's go. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the MFR Coaches Podcast. I am your host, Heather Hommel, the MFR Coach. I help MFR therapists to create the businesses that they want and to no longer under earn. And currently it is my goal to help a hundred MFR therapists to create a hundred thousand dollars in their businesses without stress and without craziness. So I have a very fun guest today. Her name is Alicia James. She is a spiritual life coach who specializes in inner child work. I have been coached by her before, and it was amazing, life-changing. And we're going to talk about her punishment paradigm today. So Alicia, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, this is fun. So tell us a little more about like what you do. So what I do is a whole lot of going into the subconscious mind and pulling out the beliefs that are no longer serving us. A lot of them are just things that have been conditioned into us by society or our parents, and they've been helping us to survive up until this point. And we're ready to expand. We're ready to go into our next level of being, and we can't take them with us. So it's a matter of letting that go with a lot of gentleness and a lot of compassion and just creating a completely new relationship with yourself. I love it. I think this is going to be very helpful for my audience who are myofascial release therapists. So we're all body workers. We are constantly working with people that are in chronic or unexplained pain. And then we as the therapists have our own lives and our own stories and all the things that have happened to us, you know, childhood trauma, all of the things. Yeah. And we're trying to create these businesses. And I think sometimes, maybe all of the time, some of these past things that haven't been processed are keeping us from getting to where we could go. Yeah. And if other therapists are like you, then my guess is that they're also very intuitive. Yeah. And they're very like in tune with, you know, what they're feeling in the body and what they're sensing from the client and being able to get out of your own way in your mind and not overthink it, but really be able to trust your intuition helps you to serve that client to the best of your ability. Yes, totally. We're always trying to get out of our own way and also have that soft focus where you aren't thinking about you and you're just thinking about the client, like you're there with them. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what makes you probably unforgettable as a practitioner is your ability to lean into your intuition and trust yourself when you're in session. So yes, totally. It's totally different than like someone just following a recipe, like Uh head to toe, get it done, touch it all. And then we're done. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure that that would still be helpful, but it's not going to feel like mind blowing. You're not going to walk away being like, let me give them all my money. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Hilarious. Okay. So before we started recording, you started to tell me about a workshop you've done before or a program you've created that's called the punishment paradigm. 
Tell me everything. (laughs) Okay. Well, basically what I have realized is one of my talents is to be able to zoom way out and notice patterns and how things kind of work together. And last year I was studying resistance and self-sabotage in myself and in my clients. And I was noticing these patterns that kept coming up over and over and over again, where they would be really focused on a goal. And then they would start putting all this pressure on themselves and start beating themselves up if they didn't do things, you know, what they thought was the right way. And I was like, what is this about? So I started exploring it a little bit more. And I realized that basically, there's this whole paradigm that we've been conditioned into by society, by our families, by religion. And it has helped society to function in a large way. But basically, it's if you do something wrong or unacceptable to society, then you need to be punished, right? And then the fear of punishment is what is going to motivate you to be good, right? Right. (laughs) Isn't that how we've all been living our lives? (laughs) Yeah, actually, it is. Most of us, I would say the majority of us are living inside of this paradigm where we're either going to be met with punishment if we do something wrong and that that's how we train ourselves to do it right. Mm-hmm. Or we're going to use a lot of pressure and force to get ourselves to go into that next level. And what I noticed is that there's this gap at the space between that punishment and then the actual taking action where there's a lot of space for meeting your inner child and getting out of that. Okay. So the punishment paradigm is basically where we subconsciously motivate ourselves with fear. But the problem is that fear in our bodies creates a lot of resistance. So then we end up in this cycle where we're trying to move forward, but we've got our foot on the brake. Oh. Yeah. So you have like <laughs> one foot on the gas and one foot on the brake. One foot on the gas and one foot on the brake. Okay. And we're wondering why we're not getting anywhere. Yeah. And it's because we're creating fear in our bodies. And the yeah. fear is keeping us from taking action and living more authentically. How does that show up? Like, can you give me yeah, like an example of something maybe in your own life or like a client or something like that? Oh, 100%. <laughs> so, I mean, I wrote down the six P's is what okay. I like to call them of the punishment paradigm because I'm okay. obsessed with alliteration. I love it. So, so the symptoms that I see mostly are people feeling pity. They are projecting negativity onto the future. Mm-hmm. They are caught up in perfectionism. They're people pleasing, they're procrastinating, and they're escaping through pleasure. Okay. And so for me personally, the one that I am the most guilty of is procrastination. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I realize that it's because I'm trying to put off feeling the emotion that's coming up when I have to do the task. Because usually there's some sort of guilt or shame yeah. involved in it. And if I just build up the guilt and build up the guilt and build up the guilt until it's so big, then finally I'll have to take action. So like put myself up against the wall, basically. And you hear people say like, oh, I work better under pressure. And they're probably procrastinators and they just put things off until they absolutely have to deal with it. Yeah, I the totally have that. The whole time beating yourself up and feeling like I shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, I think mine masquerades as like, I totally procrastinate and I people please, but it's like, I think I lie to myself that I'm only creative if I am up against that wall. Yeah. 
but also like I can create if I have a lot of space too. Like that's a new, a new thing for me. Yeah. It doesn't have to be up against the wall. The train doesn't have to be coming. When you're used to it being like that, then that's what you're going to create. Yeah. And I think that procrastination in particular really ties in closely with perfectionism as well, because a lot of these things are created. All of these symptoms I would say are created from some sort of trauma, Mm -hmm. which is just anything that's too much for your nervous system. Yeah. I I love that definition. Just anything that is too much. Just anything. (laughs) Yeah. It doesn't have to be something that other people think is traumatic. Yeah. It's what was traumatic for you. As fascia workers, like Mm -hmm. fascia is the only system in our body that every other system runs through. And when you have damage to your fascia, it can tighten down at 2000 pounds per square inch. It also like is the container of our consciousness because it touches everything, right? That holds everything. So yeah. So if your nervous system is out of whack, it could be because your fascia is tight or it could be creating the tightness in the fascia. Yeah. I was going to say it's probably a, a cycle that they feed into each other. Yeah. So a lot of unexplained pain, you know, whatever, like this is just fascinating to me. I love it. I also love exploring like the connections to fascia. So I'll mm-hmm. always bring it to that. But yeah. Okay. No, Sorry. I think that that's I interrupted really, you. I think that no, I think that that's really interesting and important to look at too. Because we hold all of this in our body. We hold our that fear in our body. Yeah. And it can just be triggered like you smell something or your senses are heightened or whatever. And you're like yeah. all of the sudden like back to being six years old or whatever, like whatever happened. Exactly. Even or if it was just words that you, you heard. Yeah. yeah. Or you think somebody's mad at you or you think that your client is thinking bad thoughts about you. <laughs> yes. Well, I think that's like so typical for MFR therapists too, is like this performance anxiety. Like we're mm-hmm. trained in something that not a lot of people are trained in, but actually like thousands and thousands of people are trained in it. So I don't know why we even say that not a lot of people are trained in it. And so it like puts you out on an island alone and then you're navigating alone, right? And so then you think your clients have this expectation on you that you need to perform at a certain level and that can just shut you down and make you not perform at at even at your highest capability. 100%. I mean, even when I first teach this concept to a lot of people, their first question is, okay, how do I get out of it? Yeah. Like, how do I get rid of this? Like, Because yeah. I don't want to do any of that stuff. I don't want to pity myself. I don't want to project negativity on the future. I don't want to be people pleasing. You know, I, I want to be done with this. And the mm-hmm. thing is, it's actually not a matter of fixing it or changing it. It's a matter of realizing there's nothing wrong with you to begin with. There's Love nothing it. that needs fixing. Yeah. And like, what a mind blowing concept, right? Like we live in a society of self-help books and like go to therapy, like get fixed, (laughs) ask someone for the cure, take a pill, whatever, exercise it away. And what if nothing's wrong? What if it's like just how it's supposed to be? And like, it's our resistance to it. That's the problem. Yeah. Fascinating. I love it. And just being aware of most things is enough to help you release it. Yeah. And let it go. Do you find that when people become aware of some of these like tendencies, like the Mm -hmm. self-pity and the perfectionism, that they then use it against themselves or like what what usually happens? 
So what I have found mostly is that people use it against themselves before they realize that it's part of the punishment paradigm. Okay. So people look at themselves as like these little sad sacks or the people pleasers or procrastinators or perfectionists and and they identify with these things. They think that this is them. They think that yeah. this is part of who they are. They just all there is. This is just how you've been trained to be a part of society. Yeah. It has nothing to do with you whatsoever. And I think when you can stop blaming yourself, because you didn't create this. Right. At all. And when you can stop blaming yourself is when you can really see, oh, I don't have to be identified with these things. Yes, this is part of my experience of being human Mm -hmm. is going through these different things, but it's not who I am as a person. Yeah. So when some of these thoughts come up that create the feelings of self-pity and all the the six Ps. Yeah. Do you then, you just allow it to come up and you just notice it and you're aware and then you're like, and we're not doing that anymore. Or maybe we'll do it for like 10 minutes and now we're not doing it anymore. What do you do? Or how do you, how do you cope with process, it? I think everybody's process is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. This is where I like to bring in the inner child work because that's where it started was when we were kids, we either inherited it, or it was imprinted on us, or we observed it. And so we took all of these beliefs on, and kind of subscribed to this paradigm that everybody else is living in. And so what I like to do is we'll take one, for instance, say people pleasing, right? And you find yourself people pleasing, and you're kind of frustrated. And you're like, Oh, my gosh, I can't believe I'm here again. Like, all these other people are basically running my life and mm-hmm. I'm not in control anymore. Da, 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 right. And in that moment, you can stop and you become aware that this is not something you created. This is not your fault. And you can actually have that conversation with your inner child or whatever you want to call it. It's just that innocent part of you that hasn't been yeah. programmed. And you talk to that part of you that is kind of feeling scared. And that's probably why you're people pleasing and you're able to meet yourself where you're at and say, you know what? I noticed that you're people pleasing right now. And like, you really want to make this person happy. And it seems like you're feeling a lot of fear in your body, you know, just really talking to yourself as if you were a sweet child that you are in love with mm-hmm. <laughs> really does a lot for your nervous system as well. And down regulating that fear that rises up inside of us. Yeah. I love that. I love the idea of talking to yourself like you are a sweet child. Mm-hmm. Like if we always talk to ourselves like that, instead of like the assholes that we talk to ourselves like, <laughs> what would our <laughs> lives be like? You know, like even yes. if you just did it for like 30 seconds a day. It would make such a huge difference. Yeah. It would make such a huge difference. Even if you just listened to yourself for 30 seconds a day. Yeah. I think my biggest voice I have on repeat is my mom's voice telling me that people either like me or they hate me. And it's mm. like this black and white way of thinking about myself right. that I agreed to. And then for years, like always was like, they hate me, they hate me, they hate me. And really it was like me hating myself yeah, right? in a certain yeah. way. And like, I noticed this like in my mind when I'm like backing my car out of the garage. Something about backing my car out of the garage triggers that, you know, everybody just either likes you or hates you. Isn't that amazing? Wow. That is really fascinating. Yeah. So, so that just came to me right now. think about reversing or backing up that creates that thought? Yeah, I don't know. 
But like, I could like literally like just see myself in my Honda, like with my black seat and my seatbelt on and I'm like backing up and like, maybe my son's in the front seat with me and I'm like looking at him and like, that's my first thought. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But a long time ago, I decided that that wasn't true for me. Like, that's not my story. Right. But it's still like, I can still like just conjure it up <laughs> Yeah. whenever I don't want it to be there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so being able to meet yourself in that moment and say, Oh, I noticed that you're having that thought again. Like, that's kind of a scary thought. Like, are you okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do well, you know that heavy. I love you? Everybody hates me, you know, yeah. or like, there's only two options. People either like me or right. hate me. Yeah. Like, that's pretty black and white thinking. And it's just not, there's a lot of gray area. <laughs> there's so much. There's so yeah. much. But that's, again, I feel like that is a signature of trauma as well, mm-hmm. is being in the black and white, all or nothing thinking. And we tend to think, oh, there's something wrong with me that I'm, that I'm thinking like this. You know, why am I not able to access all of my possibility? But it's really not our fault. Yeah. And that's not to say that it's not now our responsibility as adults, because I'm not a proponent of being like, oh, you're not responsible for any of it. Yeah. No, we're 100% responsible for our experience that we're having. And a lot of these things that we believe we just picked up on them so that we could survive or so that we could have our needs met as children. Yeah. yeah. When well, I think too, for me, when I was agreeing with that story and that was my identity for a long time, I'm f- almost 42 now. I spent all year thinking I was 42, but I'm not 42 yet. So <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Talk about projecting onto the future. <laughs> I know. Oh, that's so funny. Well, I was saying like when I used to agree with that story – my life was very much black and white and very miserable. Like there was, I had a lot of ecstasy too, but a lot of misery and it was still 50, 50, I guess. But I just felt like my life was very out of control and everything was happening to me, you know, but of course, because whatever, you know, people just don't like me. So, and it's like, actually the opposite is true now that I can see that and I I can be with it now instead of fighting against it. Mm -hmm. So like when you're fighting against it, is it, would you say that you're almost agreeing with it when you're resisting it or you're fighting against something that's coming up? Is a part of you just agreeing with it and just accepting that that's how it is versus like allowing it and processing through it? Is that a thing? (laughs) What do you mean when you're resisting it? So like, I feel like I have like a before life and an after life, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's still my same life, right? Oh, yeah. One one where I was like believing this certain way, like believing what my mom said, that people either like me or they hate me. And if I like look at all the collateral damage of that or like just the totality of what my life was like in that sphere and then what it's like now that I, I can still hear that message, but I don't identify with it anymore. Yeah. And so therefore my life has like a different feeling to it or a different value to it. Maybe not value, but like it's just a different, it's not so heavy. Yeah. So sharp. Yeah. It's a different experience. Yeah. 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 I experience everything differently. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. Because our subconscious beliefs are shaping our experience. They're creating our reality constantly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I had a session with you a while back and I was like in the river of misery. I was like kind of on the tail end of like recovering from this like a depressive period. Yeah. And we chatted. And then I went out to dinner with my husband afterwards and I started to notice that like everything in the restaurant was there for like my enjoyment, like for Mm -hmm. my eyes to be dazzled and, Mm -hmm. you know, and it was like the weirdest experience for me because usually like I don't notice little details. I don't enjoy things sometimes, right? Yeah. Now I'm the person that like does. I'm like, ooh, all of these clouds out here are just for me. Like this sky was painted just for me. This wallpaper is for me. All these textures are for me. The way the carpet feels is for me. Like it's just, it's a very fun experience to have. And I realize like I can just reach for that whenever I want. Yeah. And that, that is what it's like to be a child. Yeah. Right. Like Like when you're a child, you think that you are the main character when you're a kid, (laughs) you are the main character of your life and nobody can tell you any different. And it's not until people come in and tell you that being the main character of your life is selfish or that, you know, it makes you a bad person or that it makes you unlovable or something along those lines. It's not until we get those messages that we think, oh, I need to shut that down. I need to shut down that part of me that feels like all of this that's happening around me is for me and and by me, you know, like kids, they are using their imaginations constantly. Yeah. It's so colorful and like just vibrant. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for a, a big space in my life, I lost the vibrancy of that. Yeah, ability, but I can just do it whenever I want now. And being the main character, like when you first said that, I was like, oh gosh, I'm just coming across as like this selfish jackhole, right? Totally. And I was like, opposite land. Like, no. Like, wait a minute, maybe that's just the punishment paradigm. (laughs) Yeah, maybe I'm just living in it. Yeah, right. It's like, no, actually, like being childlike doesn't mean you're immature. It just means like you're you're using more of your senses, even like you're, you're taking in the world in a totally different way. Totally. And I love that you said that too, because you really tapped into the fact that you have access to it all the time. Yeah. Anytime you want it, anytime you need it, we have access to every part of ourselves that we've ever been, any identity that we've ever had. We have access to that at any point in time. Mm -hmm. And some of my old identities, I do not want to access. I do not want to go back there. Thank you. I have lived that once and that is enough. I do not want to relive. (laughs) good. Yeah. But I mean, as a child, you know, in that innocence before I thought there could be something that made me somehow unlovable, I love accessing that part of myself. And I love just being in wonder and awe and having that joy Mm -hmm. that doesn't really need a reason. Right. Yeah. (laughs) It just comes from inside of you. Yeah. You didn't have to earn it. Nobody had to give it to you. Like it's just there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I also think, you know, when we're working with our clients or your listeners are working with their clients, when they're able to access those states of being and those states of frequency, if you want to call it that, you know, you're transmitting that and you're transferring that to your clients as well. Like Mm -hmm. they can feel your energy. And as you're working with them and you're working on their body, they can feel, you know, what's going on inside of your body as well. Yeah. It's not to say like, oh, you need to be perfect. And like a lot of. Well, like John Barnes always says, that's who we do all of our training through. You can only take your clients as far as you're willing to go yourself. Yeah. And that really applies to like in your mouth, ash release journey. But I would think that like adding in inner child work or like all these things where you are really getting in touch with how you 
think, believe, mm-hmm. act, say, do, like all those things, it's only going to make you a better practitioner because you are healing yourself on all levels possible, not just, not just physical. Yeah. 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 And it's also interrelated. Yeah. You, you know? can't separate it. You really can't. No. <laughs> Just like we always talk about like your body is your body. Like just because your shoulder hurts, it doesn't mean it's not from a knee injury or, you know, like you aren't separate, even though you're taught that you are like your entire life, you are just pieced out. Yeah. Just piece by piece. I used to say pieced out a lot when I was a teenager. (laughs) Like peace out. Anyway, (laughs) that's not what I was referring to. But anyway, I cracked myself up. Um, Yeah. You just, you can't be pieced out. You are one being with lots of different levels and juiciness. Like there's just so much there. That's, it's good stuff. No matter what has happened to you even. Totally. Totally. And I, I love that you brought that up too, because when you think about your body as one whole, and we think about society as a whole, we think about the earth as one whole organism. Like every time that you zoom out, you're going to find another layer of wholeness and oneness. And this focus on these like tiny minuscule details that we get wrapped up in, like having to perform and having to do things the right way and needing to be acceptable to others and all of these different things. That's what reinforces this illusion that we are somehow separate from one another. Yeah. And the punishment paradigm is really reinforcing that as well. It's enforcing this idea that we're separate and that you are going to be punished by some authority for just being yourself. Yeah. So what do we get out of the punishment paradigm? Like, why do we do this? Well, it it has helped us to survive, I think. And it has really helped us to move forward, you know, Mm -hmm. for a long time. If if you are trying to modify somebody's behavior, then it, punishment does work. Yeah. You look at dogs, you look at children, you look at any anybody who's being trained and their brain is being trained and you're trying to modify their behavior. If you punish them for something, they will likely stop doing it. But I'm going to put a caveat in that. They will stop doing it in front of you. Yeah. They won't necessarily stop doing it, but they will stop doing it in front of you. So they yeah. will hide it. Because they don't want to be punished. So but the if they're not opposite? doing it in front of you, then you think, oh, it's not a problem anymore. They're not doing right, it. Right. Yeah. It's not affecting me. Right. So what, <laughs> like, so if punishment doesn't actually work, then what's the opposite of punishing? Like loving or can you love someone out of doing something that they shouldn't be doing? Or like, or do we even get to decide what people should or shouldn't do? <laughs> oh, girl, you are bringing up a loaded moral question here. <laughs> I mean, first of all, I don't think we can control anybody else's behavior. Yeah. But I think a certain level of consciousness as opposed to punishment, mm-hmm. like if you're conscious of the consequences, the natural consequences of your actions, yeah, then you're going to be more aware of what choices you make. Yeah. If you see that something is hurtful to somebody else, most people are not going to want to do that. Yeah. I think it's coming down back to this assumption that I believe actually that all people are good. Mm-hmm. And that might be very triggering for some people to hear, but I believe that all people at their core are good. Yeah. 
And really, there's really no good or bad. It's neutral. But (laughs) if you're able to look at that and see the person as good and then also help them to act in a way that's going to be in their highest and best or that's going to be in their best long-term interest or their long-term best interest, then you can help them to make the best choices for themselves. Because it's really not about us helping other people to control their behavior. It's about them getting in touch with their own intuition about what they want to do, what's going to be the best thing for them long-term, and being able to trust themselves. Yeah. Because if you're trusting yourself, honestly, you're like, you're going to be making good choices. Yeah. It's kind of like John also talks about the difference between like channel three and channel five. Channel five is like your very linear brain and channel three is like that intuitive, you're in the flow, Mm. like you're not worrying about anything else. Like it's exactly that. Yeah. It's just a different label for that. 100%. Like you are just trusting yourself. You're not, you're not questioning. You're not acting like a computer. Yeah. Just like being a human and like connecting in. Right. You're just in the flow. I love it. I also think that there's opportunity for learning how to take responsibility for the consequences of our actions and for yeah. our our actions in general that we don't necessarily get when we're being punished. Yeah. Because being punished is not the same thing as taking responsibility. Right. Because you could be in trouble and never like own what you did or own you totally. know. Or not even realize what you did. Yeah, yeah. Or just accept your punishment. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole time you're like plotting how to get back. (laughs) That never happens to me. Tell me about yourself as a child. (laughs) (laughs) Twirling my mustache. Yeah, there would be plenty of times as a child that I would be punished. I would have no idea what I was being punished for. (laughs) Yeah. Because it was like a misunderstanding or something, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, I remember too, like I would get really worked up. And so I would go from like zero to hysterical, you know, very quickly. Yeah. And then I would all of a sudden be in my room with the door shut, not allowed out. And like that would just make me more Until hysterical. you calm down. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know how to calm down. I'm too, I don't know, you know, yeah. but yeah. Which is also like created the identity of like being hysterical, right? Like, was I actually hysterical or was I just reacting to whatever stimulus was going on? Was I just today? having an emotion that was maybe too much for the people around me to handle at the at Yeah. That so it was more about them the skills. than it was about me as a little kid. Yeah. 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 Like is the adult's inability to handle it. Come on, adults. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I spend a lot of time looking at that as well, looking at what the adults and how they played, what roles they played in our lives and forming our current identities, because so much of the time it's easy to just say, well, this is how my my parents did it and this is how they treated these emotions. So then I started treating them the same way and people, especially people who are in some sort of healing modality. I think the very first reaction is to want to just pass the buck and like pass the blame. Yeah. And then as you go a little bit deeper in your journey, you start realizing, okay, what can I actually look at? Because it's just too much for our brains to be able to handle. Like, 
Well, it's like a hot potato. Like, I would love for all of my problems to be like to blame it on my mom or my dad or whatever, right? Oh, I've tried that. (laughs) Yeah. The thing is, is like, I think even if you have horrifying parents, like, they are doing the best they can. They really are. For what the tools that they have. And so when I, when that does come up for me, like, I just always, I kind of soothe myself with that thought. Like, they're just doing the best they can. Yeah. Because none of this is a surprise. Right. And, I think too, like I'm doing the best I can with my three kids, but will they need therapy? Of course. Like, right. <laughs> I mean, I'm their mom. Like, Start the therapy fund now. Yes. <laughs> but I also think that they are being set up for the opportunity to access feelings differently than I was. Like mm-hmm. their, their go-to feelings aren't going to be like shame, rage, right. anxiety, and excitement you know like they just get four four emotions that's all you can have (laughs) you know they get two pages worth (laughs) you get a much varied experience of life yeah and if they decide to have kids their kids are gonna have even more right also like i have no idea like actually what their lens is of what their experience is right because they're they're experiencing it through little kid eyes Mm -hmm. yeah and you probably won't know until they're adults. Right. Because most people are just surviving their childhood, to be honest. Yeah. And there's so many things that are happening that it's too much for their nervous system. So we put it all and we store it all in the shadows of our subconscious mind. And then when we're in our like later 20s or 30s, I mean, everybody's on their own timeline. Obviously, mm-hmm. some people never do this work. Some people do it, you know, when they're teenagers. It yeah. just depends on everybody's journey. But you start bringing those things back up when you can handle them. Your mind yeah. will bring it back up for you to look at. And you'll see it in the patterns of your relationships or your patterns, how you relate to your business or how you relate to your body or whatever the thing is. You'll start to see these other things that, oh, now I can look at this because I have the skills and the ability to process this. I didn't have that ability at the time. Yeah. So it's like a latent processing of all of your experiences as a child. <laughs> We don't realize how much some of these things impact us. Right. Well, and so much happens, not only like, are you growing physically and emotionally, like you're experiencing everything for the very first time. Yeah. And you're just expected to just know how to do it and (laughs) fall in line. Yeah. And don't complain. And if you do complain, like, then there's like the punishment and then... Then there's the self-punishment tacked on top of that. So yeah, it's fascinating to me. Like I could go yeah. down so many wormholes with this. But so many wormholes. So many. So many wormholes. Yeah. And honestly, all self-punishment is just a way to avoid external punishment. Yeah. But you don't end up actually avoiding anything. Like you're, no. you're, you can either get punished twice or just like take whatever natural right. consequences coming based on whatever decision you make. Like every decision you make, there is some sort of natural consequence to it. Good right. or bad indifferent it's all neutral like if you can like start to neutralize things in your life it's not so scary 100 percent. yeah i say 100 percent a lot it's fine i say yeah a lot <laughs> peace so, out here we go <laughs> but the thing is when you can stop punishing yourself and it is a process but it can be done but when you stop punishing yourself then any other punishment that somebody else could put on you is really not that bad. Yeah. Because you just don't agree with it. Yeah. So it's like, whatever anyone says or does, like, if you don't agree with it at all, it neutralizes it. Like, it just isn't. It's like, oh, okay. 
Like you're not even sorry like, they feel that unsubscribe. way. Unsubscribe. I'm unsubscribed yeah. that I am a piece of shit. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah, just and that I deserve this. I yeah. love it. I love that so much. It's so empowering to just know like, yeah, you don't have to feel pain because someone else says you have to. You just don't have to agree. Yeah. And you don't even have to let someone else know that you don't agree. Like, whoa. You can just do it whoa. yourself. Yeah. You can just not agree. And just live your life. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Fascinating. Okay. Any final words before we wrap this up? This has just been amazing. I think if I could say any last words, it would be that wherever you are right now in your journey of discovering yourself, of discovering your talents, of the work that you have with your clients and, you know, releasing yourself from constantly punishing or threatening to punish yourself is exactly where you need to be. Like it's hard to hear, but it's not that you have to rush to the end of being outside of this paradigm and you have to be no longer doing that. And then you're free and then you're a great person. And then, you know, you have this wonderful life. It's a matter of being present to what's actually happening right now and not abandoning yourself and allowing yourself to understand why you think the way you think, why you believe the way you believe, why you create the things that you create in your life. Because this all has a purpose and it's all trying to help you. Everything in your subconscious mind, in your body, in your spirit is trying to give you what's in your highest and best. Mm -hmm. So if you can look at it from that perspective and then maybe you can receive some of these information. You can look at things a little bit more clearly without being so afraid of what it means about you. Yeah. And just like love yourself no matter what. Love at the yourself. End of the day. Just or love yourself. Yeah. Or even if you don't love yourself, just be like, I'm going to try. Yeah. It's possible you. I could love myself. Yeah. Actually, I don't even want to say that because I feel like trying is kind of. I don't really believe in trying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, either do but or if you, you don't, right? if you don't, if you're not at that place where you're like, I love myself and you know, you're trying to do affirmations and it just feels like phony or fake. I really feel like just putting that word, like I am willing. Yes. To love myself. Yes. That I'm willing or everything. it is possible or it, it will be possible. possible. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. I love that. Whenever I like do thought work and I write out a sentence and it's like, I'm going to try this. And then I'm like, Okay. <laughs> that does not feel good. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm going, I'm either doing this or I'm not. So yeah, just like it is possible for this. This could happen. Right. Willing to be open to it. Yeah. Such good advice. Well, thank you so much, Alicia, for being here today. I know my listeners will get so much out of just listening to this conversation. Even if we were on a windy, twisty road, like there's so many good. It's fun. It's fun to go kind of on a a bowl of spaghetti conversation. Yeah. I I love wouldn't have it any other way. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks so much for joining us today. And I will see you all next week on the MFR Coaches Podcast. Bye. Thanks for joining me this week on the MFR Coaches Podcast. Check out my book, The MFR Coaches Guide to Having Your Own Myofascial Release Business. Autographed copies are available at my website, www.themfrcoach.com. Kindle version and print also available on Amazon. 
follow me on Facebook and Instagram at The MFR Coach for more info on today's topic. As always, subscribe to the show to catch every new episode and leave us a review so we can continue to bring you fresh content. See you next week.